Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Everyone Talks to Liz, affectionately known as Ethel. You know, Everyone Talks to Liz. Yeah, you can hear my guests cracking up. Can I start with some gratitude for you guys who listen and are part of the Ethel Army, as I like to call you? I can't see you, but I feel you. And I envision you when I bring these stories to you of people who have jumped into the arena, slayed the dragons, and fought their way to success. You know, I do sometimes think gratitude is a totally overused word, but it actually isn't if you use it to pull yourself out of the self-pity abyss. Come on, we've all been there, right? We're all feeling sorry for ourselves at some point. I don't know about you guys, but when I do start to feel sorry for myself and when something happens to me that I think is bad, I focus on a form of gratitude that actually involves thinking about those who have endured way more trouble than I ever have and turn those stumbling blocks into stepping stones. My guest today puts just about all of us self-pitying folks to shame. He grew up in Texas, Beaumont, Texas, tiny town. His dad ditched the family to play pro basketball in New Zealand, never to show his face again. So it was really just him and his mama against the world. But when he was just five years old, his beloved mom was shot and killed. He was left to struggle through the grief and was raised by his grandparents who poured all of their love and what little money they had into making sure he grew up a centered and focused child. Now, much as he excelled at basketball, there was barely any money to buy new basketball shoes because he outgrew every pair shortly after his grandparents bought them. Nevertheless, he became a star player, and in eighth grade, he was ranked nationally number three behind number two, Chris Paul. We all know him. He's famous. And number one, LeBron James. They were all eighth graders. But poverty chased him. In 2003, at 18 years old, he could not afford college. And so driven by his desire to provide for his grandparents, if that tells you anything about his heart, which is so big, Kendrick Perkins went straight to the NBA draft. He went 27th in the first round and was drafted by the Memphis Grizzlies, was then traded to the Boston Celtics, where he spent eight seasons with the team, won a championship, and yes, fulfilled his childhood promise to provide for his grandparents. So how does a little boy from Beaumont, Texas, end up in the NBA with an outstanding career and then become an ESPN sports analyst and now launches a new investment platform that capitalizes on the money student athletes can now make through endorsement deals? Because he never had that opportunity. We welcome Kendrick Perkins to Everyone Talks to Liz. Kendrick, thank you for being here. Liz, I must say that was, I, like, I want to start that over and let you do that intro all the way over again. <laughs> that was the best intro ever. Really? I loved it. Yeah, I love it. And you know you. what? I'm a big fan of you, you, of your work and thank what you, you. do. Um, and I love how I say stand on business because that's what you do. 
Thank you stay you. in on business, and I love it. I do Authentic. not. I don't get involved in in the angst or the anger of politics mm. or none of that personality <laughs> yeah. driven nonsense. We're about business, but mm. also on this podcast about the human focus and aspiration and inspiration that listeners can get from people like you. Mm-hmm. And what a story. You know, I thought to myself, and by the way, my producer Bailey Rabinowitz and I were talking about you, and it's like amazing, incredible story of climbing back through multiple burning hoops, none the least of which was your mom, your best friend, being killed when you were five. Yes, by her best friend. Um, <clears throat> you know, my mom worked in a beauty shop. Uh, and she she did hair. Um, she was a beautician. And the lady by the name of Sevilla, that was her name, she would come in and she, you know, was one of the people that stole clothes like out of dealers or J.C. Penney's and she would sell them, right? Mm-hmm. And she kept coming up to my mom's job where the owner, uh, Mr. Perry, that owned the, the, the shop, the beauty shop that my mom worked at, you know, he said to he didn't want that type of activity going on. So my mom had already told her numerous of times not to come up there with that, you know, with, with her scam or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. And so she came up there. They got into a verbal altercation. Um, and when my mom got back to her apartment, they ended up getting into another verbal altercation. And she ended up shooting and killing my mom. Well, not, you know, my mom went to the hospital um, and about two weeks later, she died December the 1st, 1989. So, you know, um, but, you know, I, I think, I think you know, everything happens for a reason. Uh, my grandparents were great, right? I mean, my grandmother, um, she made $62 a week uh, being a maid. My grandfather made the right $300 a month uh, of cleaning up the local church as a janitor. And we we lived in a home that my great grandfather built. It was a two bedroom home where the ceilings were like you know six two, and we just found a way. And that was my whole motivation outside of having love for the game of basketball was that I wanted to get my grandparents out of that situation. That in and of itself is testament to the kind of person. You were back then because mm. this was a seed that you yourself planted when you were much younger, watching your grandparents do everything they could to provide for you. Mm-hmm. Where does somebody at age seven, eight, nine get that? You know what? <clears throat> it took a while. And the crazy part about it is my wife always tell me, uh, but I never see you cry. Like she'll see you know, we all have emotions. And I always tell her I don't have any more tears to shed. Mm. You know, it was so many nights, Liz, that I cried myself to sleep, right? Just literally crying myself to sleep that I ran out of tears. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it was, you know, not being able to afford certain things or do what other kids at school were doing, you know, having chores. You know, I always tell people I could cook I could catch a chicken, clean it, and have it ready to, for you to cook in 30 minutes. Seriously? Yeah, we had like literally 150 <laughs> the chickens and ducks on our yard. So, I mean, that was my that was my chores around the house. I mean, literally, we ate chicken 
Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and on Sunday, we'll, I'll be lucky to get some pork chops, right? But, I mean, it was just, but that's who made me into what I am today. Like, you know, my grandfather passed away about eight years ago. He was mm -hmm. the best man in my wedding. Uh, my grandmother is still living, but she's, you know, 89 now, you know, going through that that phase of, you know, she's being sick and she's calling and she's lived a great life. She's calling on my grandfather saying how much she miss him. And, Aww. you know, you get to that point of you watching. But I think that's what that's what made me a strong individual. You were eighth grade. I was eighth grade when I first went to Las Vegas. And how tall? were you? I was 6'6 six, six in the eighth grade. Oh, my. Now, was, your mom was tall. My mom was 6'3". And your dad? He's 6'7". Wow. Yep. So my dad actually stays in New Zealand. Yeah. Well, let's go back to your childhood. So your grandparents are so supportive, they find a way to let you go to Las Vegas and the AAU tournament where you get mm -hmm. to actually play in front of college coaches. It, it, yes, it was the start. It was actually, that was the start of, I would say, the resurrection of Kendrick Perkins, the basketball player. Huh. Right? Because no one was coming down to Beaumont, Texas. Okay? And so I get a call from Hal Passner from the Houston Hoops. His son, Josh Passner, was just a former coach at Georgia Tech. And they, I literally had to get a ride to Houston because it's an hour and 45 minutes away from Beaumont. Um, and I said, Perk, we want you to play on our team. And I said... Well, how'd oh. they hear about you? Well, I mean, word must have traveled that, hey, we got this six, 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 seven, eight grader that's <laughs> dunking, and, you know, he's dominating down here, and, and you need to, you know, put your eyes on him or whatever, and then, you know, all of a sudden, they came and got me. When was your first dunk? How well, old were you? Oh, I was... I was 13 in the seventh grade. Oh, my. My first dunk in a basketball game. Seventh grade, I was 13 years old. What was that like? It was everything. <laughs> I, I mean, I swung on the rim. I was, I, I had made that, <laughs> I made the eighth grade team as a, I made the eighth grade team as a uh, seventh grade. grader. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was, it was everything. It was everything. Coach McAleer, who was actually my social, social, um, Studies coach, a social studies teacher was the high school coach. I mean, my middle school coach. I love Coach Mack, a little great guy. Um, but, yeah, that was my first though. Oh, my. So, you, <laughs> so you, you go to Houston. They say, yeah, you, you deserve to go to Vegas. And how do you get to Vegas? And doesn't that cost money? It does. So <clears throat> thank God that Hal Passer and the Houston Hoops actually pay, pay for my hotel and flight, so, right? But we out there for like four or five days. And I'm like, i never been to Vegas. So I'm like, oh, $20 at the time. We're talking about, what is this? Probably 1997, 98, right? Right. And so, oh, no, about 1999. So, you know, $20 and a roll of pennies. I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to make Wait, this. Wait, I'm sorry. That's all you took? That's all I had. $20 and a roll of pennies. Yeah, $20 and a roll of pennies. That's all I had. How did you handle that? Well, <laughs> so so I knew I couldn't do nothing, right? I couldn't gamble. Um, and 
too young anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> so Vegas wasn't just like so. I would just have to survive, and what it means survive is, you know, the Houston hoops they would feed us, okay. you know, three times a day, right? So make sure that I ate. They made sure that we had water and Gatorades in our room, you know, if anything for us wanting additional snacks. I mean, I couldn't do that. So, I mean, you know, but my main focus was I was there to play basketball. And the good thing about it is that I didn't have that much spare time because at that point you were playing four or five games a day. Whoa. Yeah, so you didn't have time to really have time to spend money or, you know, even think about spending money. So, you know, a lot of the times, you know, we leaned on each other because you got to remember it's it's about it's, – it's a group of nine guys, nine players. Only two parents out of the nine players are on the trip. The other nine players, are, the other seven are just like myself, right? Couldn't afford it. Couldn't afford it. So we all just kind of adapted and, and, and made it work. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we will be right back. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know... You're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. So you you meet kids from other teams, and that's where LeBron came in. And what was it like for you to reach that status out of little Beaumont, Texas, and somebody tells you, you're you're ranked number three? It, it was overwhelming. It was overwhelming. But, you know, I, one of my good friends, one of my good friends, one, well, one of my best friends, to be honest, he's the assistant coach at University of Texas, uh, Brandon Chappelle. And he always said, Perk, you always used to carry yourself as if you knew you was going to the NBA. And I said, well, what you mean by that? And he was just like, your work ethic and your demeanor, like you had the mind that you were going. But at that time, we didn't have social media. Right, we didn't have, we didn't have access to the internet like that. Like we couldn't pick up a phone and do it. Right, pick up a phone or whatever you had. I think at that time we probably had beepers and pages. Oh right? yeah, right. Yeah, they and were so, and they were big. They were like the size of a chocolate bar. So I would actually ride my bike 
about two miles to a library, and I would go get on the computer and check the rankings. They had a ranking site. I would go check and see my name on it. I would do that every day. And yet, you also were living the life of a church boy as well. You mm-hmm. were an altar boy. The world's tallest. <laughs> <laughs> the world's tallest. The world's tallest. Yeah, the world's tallest. How they find something to fit you? Right. I had a custom robe that was <laughs> that was made, and I was the world. So I was an altar boy from eighth grade all the way through my senior year. Um, Do you think that's what kept you centered in a way that you didn't get your head all crazy of, I'm so great? You know, because when you're a teenager, you can start, well, as we say, believe your own press. Right. Well, my grandparents didn't allow me to do that. Um, You know, and I think it was just they didn't spoil me. It wasn't that I was, you know, because of I started to... When I started to develop a name for myself, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to get you this or we're going to go find it. No, it wasn't that. It was still, you still had these chores around the house. Mm-hmm. We still need you to do this. You're still going to go fishing with us when we go fishing. <laughs> like, And it was just, I, I think it was just more so them keeping me involved in church. You know, I, I had to go to church on Sunday. I had to go to church on Saturday. I had to go to church on Wednesday. I had to go to church Sometimes on Tuesday, depending on what was needed. You know, if I if I had to go and be the altar boy, if nobody would show up, my grandparents make sure that they would tell the priests and the nuns that Kendrick would be there. Uh-huh. And I think, you know, I actually went to a Catholic school. So I went to a Catholic school. When my mom passed away, my grandparents didn't know which direction they wanted to, you know, for a schooling. So our mother Mercy actually let me go to school tuition free. But then you hit senior year of high school, mm-hmm. and that's when kids are applying to college. Mm-hmm. That wasn't going to be you. It wasn't. It wasn't. And I never had intentions on going to college. And when once I saw my name on the mock draft, I knew I just had to get through my senior year. If I could have had the the opportunity to do what kids are doing today and reclass up, I would have did it just to hurry Meaning up. Meaning they can now cash in on their nil or name, image, and likeness. But that was way before mm-hmm. nil. And so you, it feels like we're not driven so much by I want to be an NBA star as you were by something greater than that something perhaps more important than that and that was to take care of your grandparents absolutely absolutely it was it was it was the drive that i had um you know the the workouts that i had to do before a draft no matter how tough they got i always remember why i was doing what who i was doing it for i was doing it for them and when i got my first nba check i bought them a house and i bought them two cars my grandfather a truck and my grandmother a car. Oh my God! That was the, that was that was it, and 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 I I just felt I felt relieved. I felt fulfilled. Everything after that didn't even matter to me no more, right? I didn't care. I didn't buy my first house until like nine years later. So you bought for your grandparents and not for yourself. I this is. This is such an incredible story because people think way too much about themselves first. All the time. 
all the time. And that just wasn't you. But so, Liz, that's the world we live yeah, in. Yeah, I don't like that. I, I don't I, like it. I think I think social media is a negative force. It is. If you you know, if social media was taken away for three months, <laughs> I don't know if a lot of people would be able to survive. And that's a crazy thing or, to say. Or they would start thinking better about themselves and not less than. Because mm-hmm. I remember um, meeting Mike Novogratz, who is now a Bitcoin billionaire. Mm-hmm. His dad was in the military. They had seven kids. He had six siblings. He said, Liz, my dad never made more than $28,000 a year. Mm. He said, but growing up, we didn't know that we didn't have money because, well, at the time when I talked to him about this, Paris Hilton was really big in reality TV. And he said, we didn't have Paris Hilton and her fabulous life shoved in our faces we had great evenings where the sun would go down and we were playing kickball in the street and we had love. We had enough food to feed. Right. He said, we just were happy. We didn't have what we didn't have shoved in our faces. Mm-hmm. And maybe your outcome might have been different. So you get you get drafted by the Grizzlies, but then you immediately get traded to the Celtics, right? Right. Boston. What a difference from Beaumont, Texas. What a culture change. Oh, my God. I've lived in Boston. I yeah. did News oh, at Channel okay. 7. So, oh, yeah. And I'm a Californian. So right. going there was like going to the Arctic. <laughs> yes. And I'm not talking about the weather. Yeah. The people are definitely different. They, they are. They are. But I, I will say this. It took me a while because you got to re- realize I went from eating gumbo to eating clam chowder, right? <laughs> so the whole diet had to adjust, adjust, right? I'm eating from going from eating shrimp po' boys to lobster rolls. So the thing what I found out about Boston, and you know, I say this all the time. You know, even when I'm talking to groups of, of kids and people who ask me about my eight and a half years in Boston, and I say, and they ask me, and they was like, "Is it racist out there?" And I'm like. First of all, it's racism everywhere. Okay, that's number one. Number two, I never experienced racism. I experienced a culture change. So when I say a culture change is is in Beaumont, Texas, you could be walking in a gas station, right, a random convenience store, grocery store, and you could pass by a complete stranger, and you're going to speak. No matter what the race is, right? You're going to speak. Hey, how you doing? You like you don't oh, even have to. Oh man, you are so right. Bostonians do not even look at you. Don't even look at you. But it's they're in their own lane. It's not about racism, so you have to adjust and you get into your own lane. Yeah. It's that's just the nature of what it is, and so. I actually love Boston. My wife wants to move back there. I don't know if I can. Where'd you live code. in Boston? So I lived in Waltham. Oh, sure. Yeah. So one of the suburbs. Well, I, you know, I had to see some type of grass. <laughs> As a country boy, like, I, I had to see some type of greenery, the trees, the grass. So And there's Duncan. I mean, there's that. Right. Man, one, on, one across the street from another and then on the yeah. corner. Um, no, <laughs> I remember jo- I used to jog the Charles River. Oh, and man. in California, when you pass another runner, you at least wave. Right. Nobody in Boston waved or no, no, no. that not happening. But listen, it is what it is. It's a different culture. Yeah, certainly. that's it. So, when did you, when did you get to the point where you thought I've reached the top? This is amazing. I mean, was it the NBA championship? You know what? 
I didn't, and that's the only regret that I have, is that I didn't fully embrace winning the NBA championship. Why not? I don't know. Maybe I was young, and I, I was, I believe, 2008, 2003, I'm looking, I'm about 24 years old, 23, mm-hmm. when I won it. Most of the guys on my team were 30 plus. Sure. And I didn't, I didn't real, I didn't realize the moment until I look back on it now, you know. And now I look back, and this is when the time I say I made it. I don't know, like, I didn't had every, I didn't had so many cars, right? I didn't had jewelry that I don't have anymore. I didn't had, you know, earrings. I didn't had the, the, the expensive watches. And now that I have my wife, my four kids, I I got peace. Mm. I have peace. I'm actually enjoying life. And and if I can go back and change the hands of times, it was so many things that I could have done that I would have done differently in my twenties, uh, that I do that in the way that I think now. Like what? You know, like I would have never bought a car. What kind of car did you buy? I mean, I had a Bentley, I had a, <laughs> oh, a Mercedes, I had an Escalade, and I, I, I mean, I would rotate them out, like <laughs> you know, with the big dumb rims, and you know, just just doing things, you know, because at the time you you looking at all the the music videos that are out, and you seeing what you hearing what everybody is doing. You yeah, seeing what's my the, ride. Yeah, seeing the new new, and and it's just like following the wave until I finally realized after retirement, uh, and I got into this new space of being in the media, I instantly became a leader. Let's talk about ESPN and the media, and a lot of players when they retire mm-hmm. think, "Oh, I could do that." It is hard. You have to be quick. You have to be very focused. You have to be original, and not everybody can do it. And that's why not. And that's and that's why everybody don't make it, right? And so you think about it in this in the media space, especially with former athletes. If you're a Hall of Famer, okay, you have the red carpet laid out for you. But I wasn't a Hall of Famer. So I had to work to get to the point where I'm at today at ESPN, right? Like, you know, one of the top guys in the NBA space, you know, going head-to-head with Stephen A. on a day-to-day basis. Um, I had Stephen to, A. Smith. Yeah, Stephen Huge A. Smith. star. Yeah, and I had to work to get to that point, and I learned under his mentorship, uh, and I was and I was acceptance of it. And I'm going to say this. I watched so many guys that thought they could come in and actually do this, and all of a sudden, I didn't. I don't see them anymore because they 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 don't want to wake up for the production meetings. They don't want to do the prep calls. Tell me your they, schedule, your travel schedule. So my travel schedule is: I work from home Mondays and Tuesdays. Wednesday, I take an early morning flight out at five in the morning. I get to LA. I have NBA today. I have Sports Center. And then I have NBA countdown. The following morning, I have first take, which is I have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning, West Coast time. Then I have Sports Center. Then I have NBA today. Then I have the day off. And then my Friday, I come back in and I start from first take, Sports Center. 
Pat McAfee Show, NBA Today, PTI, Sports Center again, <laughs> NBA Countdown. It's a 12-hour day, but I love it. You know why I love it? I had so many regrets when I was a player, you know, that I wish I, in the offseason I would have took it more serious, right, putting into my craft. And with, the, with, with this opportunity as me being the analyst, Liz, I didn't ask for this. This wasn't nothing that I wanted to do after basketball, hmm. right? I actually wanted to be a coach. And I started tweeting out, you know, uh, about the playoffs one time. And I got invited to go do Undisputed with uh, Skip Bayless and, and Shannon Sharp during that time. And it was like, yeah, I'll come up. And I fell in love with it. And all of a sudden, this country boy from Bromont, Texas, that speak with broken English, that bring a little charisma, that's going to bring, you know, these catchphrases, all of a sudden people start to adapt to me. And now I'm here to where I'm at now. And so I said, you know what? I'm loving what I'm doing. And my job is I don't, I don't want to have any regrets. I want to be the best at it. It, to me, is so fascinating that as busy as you are, you now have this business that you are going full force into. You mm -hmm. are the co-founder of Nilly, which is this really interesting platform. Uh, you know, I'm not entirely sold on it. You get to do that for me because there are a million ideas and million platforms of how to capitalize and how investors can make money. But what it really does is it gives student athletes, college athletes, this opportunity to have an organization behind their back, you know, and working with them to get endorsements and then investors can get a piece of that in the end. What what made you come up with this idea with, with your partner, Chris? Well, because I'm watching so many, so many student athletes and I still call them children because until, you, until you're in college, you're still considered a child of mm -hmm. me that have to grow up and be an, be adults. Like, they they have to be miss their senior prom or, or, or miss senior activities or not even see their senior year because they have to go off to college at the age of 16 or 17 now to go because of, fina fi because of their financial situation. And so when I think about that, I'm like, no. These these kids need more control, right? These children, these student athletes need more control. And when I think when I say more control, a lot of if you fifty percent of this, and I'm just I'm hypothetically speaking, but if we was to take a survey, I guarantee you, fifty percent of the student athletes right now that are in college, you know, they're they're not happy where they are. They only went there because they had, the, because that college may have offered them the most money. Mm -hmm. That's why we see the transfer protocol. Right, so they don't even go to the college protocol. that they dreamed of right. going to. Right, but, but with this now, you can control your own destination, your own destiny, because now money is not the problem. So you didn't already took money because you already projected to make money. Because Nilly gives them a payment up front. Yeah. They can choose whatever college they want, and then Nilly strikes the endorsement deals. Yes. And then the endorsement deals pays Nilly back. You know the great thing about it, though? If the student athlete gets injured or don't get a Nilly deal, guess what? They still get the money? They don't have to pay it back. Ah. Uh. 
so they don't have to pay it back. So this is this is not your typical student loan. This is not going to go on your credit. If you don't get your nearly deal, what's pro- you projected? You like you don't have to pay it back. This is everyone talks to Liz, and we will be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash Clayman. Just go to indeed.com slash Clayman right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clayman. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I know some people really hate name and image and likeness because they think it ruins college sports and it, it debases it with money. But I can tell you, and I, I was never a college athlete. I was the editor of the yearbook staff. Um, whoopee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was taking journalism classes, but I would watch my friends because I was in a dorm at Berkeley mm-hmm. where it was co-ed and a lot of the soccer players and the crew team were on. And they were worked to the bone. They could barely have time to study. Mm-hmm. They were constantly working and working and working. And then, I mean, when I went, my first on-air market was in Columbus, Ohio, Mm -hmm. and Robert Smith was the star player at Ohio State. He ended up winning the the Heisman. And he could barely have a second to sleep or eat. They were working him so hard, and Ohio State was making millions Mm -hmm. of dollars. But the kids weren't making any of that. They didn't get a piece of it. He wanted to be a doctor. That was his goal. He ended up being a doctor, but he was a little resentful of how much money they made off him, and he didn't have time to do his studies appropriately. He did figure out a way because he's so dang smart, but I'm all for nil. I think it's great, except I do think that you have to be careful with it because these kids are ending up going, oh, well, let me go to this school I didn't want to go to because the BMW dealership is going to give me exactly, a great deal. Exactly, exactly, and that's the problem. And that's why every single offseason in any sport, you see so many kids transferring because they didn't want to go there in the first place. But because when they got recruited, the money situation was so beneficial for them and it was needed need that it. they chose that route. You want a kid to be able to choose his route. These kids, these kids nowadays, these student athletes in high school put in so much work, they train like professionals. Yeah. Right? They're waking up at five in the morning, okay, before school, getting an hour and a half work in, going to take a shower, then they're going to class. They may have, you know, uh athletics where they putting in work. Then they go after school. They may have a private session of Whatever they do, if they're a basketball player, an hour and a half of gym work to an hour and a half of training to the bed, mm-hmm. right? So they're already trained. Their mentality is already there. Yeah, and so the muscles, they're, already, they're exhausted. They're sometimes hurt. Right. 
So I couldn't, you know, I walk into these AAU gyms and and shout out to a lot of AAU coaches. You, I, I, I see so many AAU coaches that are literally having seven or eight kids that they're funding, you know, paying out of pocket, staying in Airbnbs, Airbnbs, taking 12, 16-hour bus rides, van rides to get these kids to, to make sure that they're getting the right exposure. And parents are being left behind because mom has to or dad has to work a 12-hour shift, sure. right, to make sure that the lights are still on. Kendrick, as we finish up, I'm thinking about your four beautiful children, They are being raised in a totally different atmosphere than you were, okay? You were six foot ten, and your ceilings were six foot two. (laughs) Tiny little house. Right. You didn't have basketball shoes. How do you keep your kids grounded when they are surrounded by the wealth that you were able to glean and to get? You You know, the great thing about it is that my wife and I have been together since the 10th grade, um, and she does a tremendous job and I have, I supply needs, not wants. Okay. And if you want something, you got to earn it. Um, I'm going to give you a quick story on what I did with my oldest child. Okay. My oldest child, firstborn, uh, we had, my wife and I had him when we were in Boston. He was one years old when I won the NBA championship. Um, and he somewhat was on the spoil side, and I could see it happening, right? And I told my wife, I said, over the, like, he, when he got into the seventh grade, I said, I'm about to start, like, breaking him out of this, of this sense of entitlement, meaning that just because a new pair of shoes come out doesn't mean that you're supposed to get them. Right. So I'm about to one, make you start appreciating stuff a little bit more. Two, I'm also about to have you start cutting our grass. Right? Cutting oh, the yard. How'd that go over? It I mean, it started off rough, but <laughs> I mean, it's a, it was a transition. So, you know, the school, the area we stay in the Woodlands, Texas, okay, and a very nice, you know, uh uh community, uh safe living. And the school that he go to, you know, everybody, you know, family is wealthy. You know, some people, you know, a lot of people have more money than, you know, me and his mom do. And I started to see just this pattern that I wasn't really feeling. And so what I did was I said, you know what, I'm going to, your freshman year, me and your mother are going to make the sacrifice And we're going to drive you 30 minutes away to this other public school, right? Hmm. That has a mixed culture, whether it's whites, blacks, Hispanics, it's all the above. But you may walk in the bathroom and you may see a fight, right? But this is real life. And the reason I wanted to make him uncomfortable is because I want my sons and my daughter to be a leader. So I want to I want to know when they leave the house that they could go anywhere in the world and be able to adapt. And the only way you know how to adapt is by being a leader, mm. not a follower. Mm. And it, you know what? I, over this last year, I, I I can't say I can't say how proud I am of him enough 
of the transition of me watching him become a young man. Mm. It's like, Dad, what's going on? You know, voice changing, the body changing. It's like, Dad, I'm going to the weight room. It's just, it, it's a whole different, like, like vibe. And I was like, yes. like hey, He this, understands you have to work for Yeah, things. this is what I've been wanting. And it's like the little things because now, you you know, it's no dress code at the school. So now these kids get to go to school with Crocs on and slippers and comfortable. They get to have their <laughs> cell phones. And I'm starting to see him gradually, like, go towards what what matters the most. And I can't thank my wife enough because she makes sure that she keeps them grounded. They have chores. They room, like, they have to wake up. Bed have to be made before you go to school. Room have to be clean. You wash your own clothes. My 12-year-old and my 16-year-old, they wash their own clothes. It, like it's it's real chores, and you got to keep them that way. Yeah. Otherwise, they'll step into the real world and be lost. Well, um, my kids <laughs> grew up in a very privileged school, and, and and I remember thinking to myself, I mean, some of their friends were oh, we're flying private jet to Malaysia to for for Christmas vacation and uh, the Maldives, and I remember my kids were asking for certain things, and I could have afforded it, but I said, you know what, guys, here's what I can promise you. Like the Rolling Stones song, you can't always get what you want, but I promise you, you will always get what you need from Mm -hmm. us. That's love, support, guidance. We will stand up for you. We will get you tutors if you need it. We will get what matters, the help that matters. But you won't always get what you want. So I liked what you said where you said you don't get – it's wants versus need. Yeah. yeah. I'm a, let me make you laugh. So yesterday, last night, I was shooting a, a, a video at home for the launch of Nilly. And I had a snapback cap on with my hoodie with my Nilly. And I'm doing <laughs> the video, right? So he, my 16-year-old comes downstairs. He's like, Dad, what? When he joke, when he plays, when he like wants something, he play with me like big perk, you know, big, <laughs> big perk. He can slide, I? He slide can it, I? Yeah, he slide <laughs> it in, right? So I'm like, what's up? He like, man, what my nearly gear? I said, why would you want nearly gear? I said, you wouldn't want to advance from nearly. Why wouldn't you want to go work hard? Because you are a basketball player, and you could qualify for advance to get a head start in life because if maybe, hey, you become a five-star recruit by your junior year. Maybe Nilly can advance you 500 to a million dollars. Do you know what you could do with that and have a head start in life while you weren't about a cap and a hoodie? And he said, <laughs> I ain't think about that. I said, I know you didn't. That's why I'm your dad. <laughs> oh, man. They are lucky yeah. to have you and your lovely wife. I can't thank you enough for such a such an enriched story. Let me do that again. I cannot thank you enough for such a rich and valuable story coming from the background that you had and making yourself into what you are today. And you have just not stopped working and slaying the dragons. Kendrick, thank you. Thank you, Liz, and thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing Neely to be on your platform and thank you for all you do and keep setting the example for all, not just media members, but the women, especially around the world. Because I, because people don't realize as, 
And I was telling my wife this because we was actually watching the rest of the show when we were sitting in the green room. And I said, Liz is great. I said, you have to be strong. You have to be thick skinned. I said, and when you, when she, the way that she addresses this, I said, you could tell she is oh, really prepared. It was great. Well, I draw upon stories yeah. like yours. Thank you so much, <laughs> Thank Kendrick. You. Thank you. And to all of you listening, now I know this one will sit with you a long time. <laughs> Spread the word. Tell your friends, tell people who matter to you that they really should listen to this. It will make them better people. And in a way, more ambitious and successful because they realize that, like Kendrick, you have to fight a lot of dragons and slay them Mm -hmm. if you are reaching for success. Thanks again so much. I'll see you Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Claiming Countdown. (laughs) (laughs) Want to listen ad-free? You can do it with a Fox News Podcasts Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And then Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox & Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.